Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. So much of what you see on Instagram is not the real story. Today's episode is a special Q&A with brand founder Emmy Pugh from Sunday and Soul. Emmy and I have chatted before on the anniversary of her first year in business. However, now she is two years in and really exposes the nuts and bolts of what's been going on in her business. Emmy also opened this up to questions on her Instagram. So this is what people really want to know, but don't know who or where to ask. She is so honest and transparent and even talks about how at one point she was only making 41 pence profit on a 65 pound sweatshirt. Let's get started. I mean, I think it's great that you're doing this because so many people, they have the startup and then they have the massive success and no one really talks about the real in between and the nitty gritty and, and be, you know, and be honest about it as well, you know, and and show that not glossy side. So if we just talk about when you started first, um, Mm -hmm. and you've talked before about how, why you started, do you want to get straight into the nitty gritty of the costs and that side of things in terms of how, when you started up, or do you want to give a bit more background for people that are, because I would say everyone knows your story, would you say? Um. I don't know. I hope so, but I can quickly I can quickly do a recap. I mean, I did I made a couple of notes and I thought one of the important things um to talk about is that I know there's um some uh, other small businesses here, some great small businesses that I've kind of made friends with um just by being on Instagram and that's it's great and I feel like I'm in this kind of small business family and community on here and it's brilliant. But there may be people here that are also thinking about starting a business, whatever that may be. And um, I made some notes on kind of, I think taking the leap is like the hardest bit. Like, yes, like running a business and, and just even surviving as a small business is hard. But I think taking that leap is such a massive mental barrier for so many people. Like there's never a good time, you know, like the, particularly in at the moment where and in the society we live in where um, most um men and women or or both parties both um members of a relationship need to work or if you're not even if you're not in a relationship and you're you know you can't rely on um sort of taking it in turns for um paying the bills then there can sometimes never feel like a good time and i definitely was someone that felt that um and but i felt i think the the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge is that i this thing was just sort of eating away at me and i've always known that i wanted my own business i just didn't know what in um and i think so that was a big barrier for me like it's great you want to start a business but unless you have 
I was thinking to myself, unless you have this kind of vision, who are you to just say you want to go and start a business without a vision or a skill? Mm. Um, and so that was a little bit of a barrier for me. But um, and I'd get loads of ideas and then I, they sort of wouldn't come to anything because I guess they weren't sitting uh, they weren't passionate enough for me so I'd think about them for a few days and they'd even keep me up at night but then they'd fall away I guess because I just wasn't passionate enough and then I sort of gave myself permission to go yeah I don't have a, I don't have a background in fashion I'm not a fashion designer but actually that's something that I feel really passionately about and I think that's what I want to build my business in and I and I, I made some notes here just about like if you the things that kind of might motivate you to start a business but uh super important uh obviously one if you've got that skill um it, whether it be your you're amazing tailor or you're amazing at sewing or you um i i don't want to keep talking product heavy here but i think we probably will because obviously i run a product business but um so for me all of these things came together so it was like past work experience tech drawing on all of the different jobs i'd had yeah all of the learnings from it it was from something i was passionate about it was from um i guess those skills that i had learned in certain areas of that industry um and then also just like sort of having a little chat with myself introspectively and saying yeah but like you know what really motivates you because I knew it would be hard I've worked for other startups and I whilst you don't feel their pain when they go home at night and they're thinking right you know I've got I've got bills to pay I've got salaries to pay you don't feel that but you do you know on, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis when you're working in startups you do feel the pain and the pressure and you do you do see that unless you are so so passionate about something unless you really want it then you're, you're just not going to get through those tough days and so you started your business in the pandemic it's how many months or years old now? Yeah, so I launched my website in the July, early July of the of 2020 in lockdown, but I'd started working on the business um, like literally two years now. I got my first set of samples in February 2020. And so, and do you, if you don't mind asking about talking about turnover, because I know yeah. you've mentioned it before. So yeah. you're, you'll be two years in business this year. Mm. Uh, so you're about 18 months, um, shy, shy, a little bit less than 18 months. And yes. what's your turnover? What's been your turnover? Uh, so since I launched, I think I've turned over um, probably about 350k. And then in, I just had my first official year end. So just, this is just a really good point, actually. When I first started the business, I didn't register the business as a, as a limited company. Um, I don't know why. I think, I think that was a mental thing. I think it yeah. was like, oh, I'm going to treat this as a side hustle, as a passion project, because then if it doesn't work, then I, you know, I haven't failed as a business. That's like yeah. such a massive mental prob like issue um, and barrier. And that was just such a shit thing that I did. Because so for the first um, six months, I was a sole trader. And then I became an official limited company in November. So I, uh, in November, end of November, I had my first year end. And I think I turned over um, ooh, like over, over 200. I can't, I, I'm still, I'm still working on it with working my accountant. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah so that's just a little tip like if you've got an idea you want to set up a business just set up the limited company i can't i think it's like 75 quid isn't it to set up yeah. something it's like not, that but it was I think with, with the differences between a say if you're talking about sole trader and a limited company yes. if you if you plan on earning and it's um if you plan on earning over 40k it's worth your while setting up a limited business an accountant may tell you slightly different but legally you aren't um you're not legally responsible if you're a limited company, whereas if a sole trader, your possessions are, you know, your house could be taken if you, you know what I mean, in terms of from, from a legal point of view, from a debt yeah. point of view. Yeah. And that was, one of the questions that, had come through, that was one of the questions that had come through um, yeah. earlier on as well. So you've done an amazing turnover and a fantastic following since that. Um, we're going to talk about, um, a couple of things in terms of how much it first cost you to set up the brand and how long did that take? Um, yeah, so I, I just want to make it really clear that I wasn't sat on a load of money. My husband isn't a banker and I, we didn't, as a family, have loads and loads of money. And I think it's just really important to say that because yeah. I think um, it can quite, quite often sometimes see, be seen as a bit of an elitist thing to to be able to just set up a company, like quit your job and set up a company. Uh, by the way, I was on maternity, so I didn't quit my job. Um, it was more a case of setting myself some goals to be able to not go back to my job on maternity. Although I was very prepared to have to do that depending on how well the business was going. But anyway, um, because I just don't want people to see that as a, as a huge barrier. Um, so I spent, um, to set up the business, I think I probably spent about five grand. So I spent about a thousand pounds on um, branding um, and initial designs. And then I sp spent about four grand on stock. And I was able to do that because my husband, um, he's also self-employed, he got the bounce back loan and he loaned me some money. So to be fair, um, like we, I feel really guilty for saying that we benefited from the COVID situation, but on that on that occasion, we we did. I mean, we, there was a lot of shit things as well um, with my husband and in terms of his working, but yeah, that's what we chose to do as a family. And I think like you said, it means you don't need, uh, for people that are watching and they're thinking, oh, do I need tens of thousands to start my brand? You don't, you can do things on a shoestring and do things lean, you know, and in terms of your business model, it's a lean, you know, it is quite a lean model or, you know, it was definitely to start. And um, so talk about how much the, the cost, it, how did you decide um, on what your USP was? And one of the questions was, um, that came through at the beginning was, do you feel you need a USP? So a unique selling point? Yeah, 100%, you really do. And that US, in the traditional sense of the word of a USP, um, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but it sort of conjures up sort of like a some kind of inventor or, or you know, like a, a businessman trying to really sell. Like this is why we're really different. And actually, for me, because my background is in brand, so for me, the USP is about building yourself a unique brand with something interesting to say. It's very, very rare these days that you are going to think of something that's truly original, but, and that's okay. It, like I, 
I have a bit of a hang up about that and I have to let it go because it stops my progress. Mm -hmm. um, but what I would say is if you, whether you're a service business or a product business, you're, you, I don't necessarily like the term USP. I just like the, I like explaining it as finding some, fi having something and finding a new way to talk about it or a new way to show it, particularly in this Instagram era, um, you know, that we're in, that we're all using as our shop window um, and where content is so important. So yes, I felt I was, because, because yeah, I'm just like a brand obsessive. So I always knew that my brand story yeah. needed to be super, super strong to to just guarantee longevity. Like I want this brand to go on for a long time. I want it to become a semi-household name. And your story is so important in that. So um, there's a lot of businesses I see where I couldn't tell you what they're called. Like I, I might see them, for example, on Instagram. And the next day, if you ask me about them, I could not tell you their name. I could tell you what they were selling, but I couldn't tell you what their name is. And that's really, that's, that's, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. And I think, like you say, it's being recognizable, doing something that's better or different from either a service point of view, a product point of view, a quality point of view, a design point of view. And you'll find that difference because like I said there's not many things that are you know 100% original unless you are an adventure creating something you yeah. know brand new from exactly. scratch yeah and when you launch your business a lot of um people that work with me it's to find it hard to find suppliers and how did you settle on the suppliers that you were going to work with um so I originally went before we before I even had Sunday and Soul as a brand in my head, I'd started uh, researching um, garment production and I'd started researching that um, and speaking to factories all over the world. And I very, very quickly um, realised that I probably wasn't sat on enough money to... to um, invest in the sort of minimums that they are looking for the minimum minimum quantities and what that was going to cost me um and i that was a real shame and to be honest at that point i was nearly like well you know this just isn't this isn't going to happen um it's not that i didn't believe in myself but i wasn't i wasn't ready to put my family's um I wasn't like finances on the line to to go and borrow loads and loads of money to do that. Um, I, or I just wasn't mentally in the right place to do that. And I also, you know, I was having a baby or sort of, I wasn't, <laughs> just wasn't there. Yeah. And so I nearly said, like, that's, that's it, that's done. But I had a mentor who I'd been talking through all these things with. And when I'd said that to him, he just said, no, you've come this far. You've done so much research. You've put so much time into starting to create your brand you've got to just do something and so that's when I then looked at what was a lot easier route to market um a lot less risk a lot less items that I needed to buy and that's when I started um to um like I think Nicole you'd call it white label uh, yeah, or banks. I'd take yeah I'd take a product that is um already being wholesaled for the purpose of 
um, making it your own, make businesses making it their own, whether that's embroidery, printing, whatever they want to do with it. Um, but I still had like in my really, I had, I still have my really strong brand vision. So I knew very quickly the kind of um, wholesale brands that I wanted to go for and they had to be super high quality and they had to be sustainable and organic or recycled or, or whatever it may be. So um, I then realized that those, those things are, um, that, that kind of access to those is through the printers and the embroider embroiders because they buy loads of them. So you kind of jump on the back of their prices. Obviously they're adding their little bit in, but um, it wouldn't be worth me going to buy them direct and then sending them to my printer and then, then sending them back to me. It just wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. And like you said, you, you're able to get them for minimum risk, minimum cost investment. And you can, and it's like what a lot of retailers do is they test and you learn. So if something didn't work, you don't do it, you know, you don't do it again. You keep on moving forward. And then when you first launched, did you launch with a big range or how did you decide on how many units or how many styles to launch with? So I knew that I needed to launch with um, enough to be able to get my brand like vision and message across. I knew that like a couple of products just wouldn't do that. It would just wouldn't, it just wouldn't sh shout Sunday and so on. So I think I launched with um, six. I told you the other day tonight, was it a six? That six. I said about? Yeah. yeah. Six. Um, and I felt that that showed enough range of, of like, you know, where I, where I wanted to be and what we were all about. Um, and I think I probably bought, um, I think I said it was about four grand. So I think that was probably about between 25 and 50 of each item spread across your, your size breaks. And how quickly did you sell out of that stock then? Um, I sold out really quite quickly actually. Like in the, in the first six months, I never had, I never had dead stock. I never had any items that just didn't sell very quickly. Like I do now, now my range is so much bigger because mm -hmm. um, it's just always an experiment. Um, but because I, what I'd done is I built up, I'd teased the brand before I had any products for quite a long time on social media. Um, so How long did you do that for, Emmy? I did what was the kind that, of build up? Yeah, I did it for, um, I look, uh, I reckon I started in January. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was January, got the samples in February so I could start showing them to people. And then I launched the website in early July. Oh, in early July. So it's quite a long build-up, but I think that that's great. And it doesn't mean that you have to be on Instagram every single day or you have to be posting five days a week. But nice. building that audience um, is just so key so that you've got something to launch to. So, and keep, if people that are watching, put your, question, put your questions coming in. I'm making a note of all of them and um we will we will get to them all so cake not company i will get to your question and the other ones as well so um what about the mistakes you made early on what were they yeah loads <laughs> um so i would say my i wrote these down so um the first supplier i worked with um i i had this feeling that their service and the actual product was not good enough 
But because I didn't have anything to compare it to, it was my first time doing it. I had no idea. Um, I just didn't quite have the confidence to speak up and say, mm, is, this, is this normal to have this many, for example, mistakes in such a small order and this many marks on the products? And um, yeah, and I, it took me way too long. And obviously I paid full whack for all of those things to say, do you know what? I don't know if this is right. And actually this is having quite a detrimental effect on my time because I'm having to constantly sort through this stuff, go back to them, working out problems, and then deal with the customers. If I hadn't noticed issues on those products, deal with the customers. Um, so I finally, you know, plucked up the courage to say, yeah, no way. And then I started looking around for recommendations for other businesses. I think at the beginning, I got really paranoid about asking other businesses for recommendations or anything because I felt that they might be like, I, like, just do your own work. Like, I think there yeah. is there is a sense of that amongst amongst the small business community. And I get it, I get it. Like, our time is worth a lot of money and value. And when you spend that much time researching, I get a lot of people messaging me, asking me, like, what, what suppliers do you use? And it's a really weird feeling because you really want to help other small businesses. You really do. But at the same time, my supplier might not be the right supplier for you and you need people do need to go and work that out themselves and yeah you do have this sort of icky feeling of like hey i spent 20 hours making sure i found the right supplier yeah and you've gone through those cost of the samples and all that kind yeah, of thing as well yeah um but i i changed supplier and then i've never looked back so and to be honest the new supplier was more expensive but in you know in the grand scheme of things um it's the other one was costing me money working on mistakes. And would you say any other mistakes that, that are relevant for people that are listening that they can learn from? Yeah. Um, so I would say, um, so when you're a small business and you're trying to do it all um, and your business starts to take off, uh, money's coming in and you might think, okay, I really don't have time to do all of this stuff. So I'm going to look at which areas I might want to start using a third party for. Um, and I have done that in pretty much every area of my business. Um, I'm not doing it in every area of my business now, but I have done it in, in most areas and I've either carried on or I've pulled it back in. And when I have done that, what I have uh, a lesson that I learned is that I really was not thorough up front with agreeing what my expectation was on the deliverables and, and the delivery and the success of what I wanted out of those parties and those people. Um, and so it was no one's fault, but it was just as a lesson that I learned that particularly as a small business, you're spending money, uh, you're spending quite a lot of money, you know, in relation to your turnover and your profit work you know um sort of um contracting work out and it's just really important to know that you're going to get what you are paying for and that you have that totally agreed um up front and you put in um you know performance markers and what's i'm going to go through some of the questions that have been asked as we've gone along as well and some that i've got here 
how did you decide so i might jump around a little bit so it'd yeah. be like a <laughs> rapid fire question <laughs> um how did you decide on the pricing for your products um so i think i was using um i was looking around at a lot of i wouldn't say competitors but i would say um a mix of, of smaller and larger businesses selling the same kind of thing w that um are um i don't know how to say i get you know i guess it's the same demographic that i feel that my my i was going to be aiming at so i was i very much looked around at what they were doing but also you know it was really determined by the pricing that my suppliers were giving me and then working on um you know i did a lot of research on kind of average margins that you should be expecting to work to um in and in every different vertical they're going to be different in fashion they're going to be in clothing they they're um well nicole you know um you're working to kind of a two to three two times or three times markup would you say yeah, yeah. Um, and to the customer they might think that means you buy something for 10 pounds and you sell it for 20 or 30 no, you buy something for £10 and you sell it for, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that would be right, yeah. Um, but that's not, that's not what's going in your pocket. Like, there, you know, there's so many things in terms of your overhead and your cost of sale. So your cost of sale is everything that goes into getting that sale um, and getting that sale to the customer. Um, so I was working on those general numbers and that's how I then came to find my pricing. And I... To be honest, I've played around with my pricing so much. I really have. I've played around with it in terms of putting it lower to try and get more volume. I've changed around with it to go higher to get more profit. So I'm not kind of being a busy fool. And for me, it's about finding that sweet spot. And because at the, at the moment, the only um, context that people have for my brand is seeing it on Instagram and on Facebook and on our own website, um, I feel like there's a sort of a ceiling price that we have, and to be and we'll speak probably speak about this. But to be honest, that price is still not making us the profit that we need to be able to function as a business. Yeah, I think that's what's really important for people to understand as well, because you've had a great turnover. But there's a lot of things that eat away the profit of a business. And what would you say is your biggest expense? Uh, stock. So my my margin is just not um, good enough. So mm. it's and that's that's no one's fault. It's just the way, particularly um, pan, post post Brexit and post pandemic. Although we're still kind of in the pandemic costs have risen so massively you know just the cost of cotton has written like, as a raw product has a raw material has risen so massively the cost of freight i know nicole you were talking about this this week the cost of freight mm -hmm. um for items to come from the far east or wherever you're getting it shipped from has gone through the roof and so the you know the cost of product that I'm buying it for versus what I'm selling it for is just getting closer and closer together. Um, so that's, that's number one. Number two is advertising. So I knew really, really early on because I've worked as a marketeer 
in lots of different companies for, for many, many years, some of them pure e-commerce, some of them high street, some of them FNCG that are stocked in supermarkets, but I, all of them, I know you cannot run a business without having a marketing budget. So like if anyone has one takeaway from this live, it would be whatever you want to sell and however much money you're spending on that, have 50% more of what you've spent on that to also spend on marketing. Like the, when I was doing my research and I was talking to um, a, a kind of agent, a go-between in the UK that helps you find factories and helps you through that process of creating things, uh, producing things abroad, said to me, I'm, I'm not willing to do this with you unless you can tell me you've got 50% of that that you're you're going to spend to also spend on marketing because you just won't get anywhere like why organic content sadly this isn't 2014 it's 2020 and you have to pay for eyes on your business i've got 18.6 thousand followers on instagram and on a daily basis if i do stories on a good day maybe 2,000 people will see those stories on a bad day. And the good and bad is purely determined by Instagram. It's mm -hmm. nothing to do with me, I don't believe. Um, on a bad day, it might be 400 out of those 18.6 people that I've worked really hard for. And yeah, you, you, <laughs> you just have to spend money on advertising. So I knew that. I put it as part of my business model when I... I I made like a four-year P&L, which pff, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I had to make that, like, pull those numbers in from somewhere. It's a little bit like pissing in the wind, but if you want any kind of help with your business from anyone financially, they're going to want to see that. Um, so I did that, and I very much pulled uh, marketing and advertising spend into that. So my advertising spend at the moment, um, I've, I've recently changed it up because it was eroding my profits so much but pre pre 2022 per sale uh, per item rather i was spending about six pounds fifty per 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 sale per item or sale yeah, on, on advertising so yeah. from a monthly cost of advertising what was that yeah. what were you kind of spending a month on advertising um, so at one point, including, including the yeah. fee for the agency, so as well as the ads, because you had yeah, an agency, so, yeah, as well so as the ads you, you'll have a fee for an agency. I can't say what that would be because it's it one of the everyone, everyone yeah. is different, and it depends on what you're doing. If you're just doing Instagram, Instagram and Facebook, are you doing Pinterest? Are you doing TikTok? Yeah, are you doing Google AdWords. It depends. So your management fee is obviously going to go up the more of those channels that you want to do. Um, but I was. Uh, when we were, when I was spending the most, I was probably, I think I was spending a hundred pounds, between a hundred and two hundred pounds a day. Uh, and that was across um, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest and TikTok. I've pulled that back now just to Facebook and Instagram. What I found with TikTok is I was getting loads of tra loads of traffic, but I don't think it was the right people because they were bouncing really quickly. Um, and we were getting kind of no engagement and no conversions from it. Um, reach was amazing. And TikTok is much, much better value for money still at the moment than Instagram. So if you are prepared to put in the time and the effort 
um, to that, you know, it, and you think that your business um, lends itself to TikTok um, and don't think TikTok is just for people studying for their GCSEs because it's not. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's really good value. You know, it's, it's not up because it's still relatively new compared to the likes of Instagram and Facebook. But yeah, anyway, so, uh, but now, right now I'm spending £20 a day because I'm trying to get myself in a much better um, situation profit-wise. Um, yeah. So you probably so you've had, you've gone from spending between five five grand to six grand a month to two grand to three grand a month. Did you say? Uh, yeah, probably even less than that now. Yeah. But 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 my but I've got no sales. Right. Not no okay. sales, but you know, yeah. I've got, I, my sales have really really dropped massively. Okay. And a couple of questions have come through on advertising, and some of you may be able to answer, some of you may not. But Facebook ads versus Google ads, uh, which would you throw your budget at? Um, it. I think it really depends on your product. So for me, Google ads um, are something that I am, Google shopping in in particular, are some, is something that I'm very much going to look at now because Sunday in Seoul is getting more well known. At the beginning, no one's going to be Googling Sunday in Seoul. So I wouldn't be bidding on that. It's just pointless. Um, now, a lot more people are, so that's great. But for me i'm in a i'm in a place where my the the ad terms are just going to be way too competitive like the broad terms of bright clothing um you know all the things that i i talk about in my brand they're just too broad for me at the moment the broader they are if you if you don't know anything about um google advertising the broader your ad term is the more expensive it's going to be and the reason it's more expensive is one because there's so many more people bidding on it but two because so many more people are coming to it the likelihood that they're going to be interested in your business is slim because they might be looking for something 10 times more expensive or 10 times less expensive or not you know there's so many different things that could be going on so at the moment i don't do that but if i was for example we might come on to this later but i've just started um consulting for people again and i've got a great um company that i'm just starting to consult on um and they are an aromatherapy company and actually that lends itself so much more to broad search ranges right okay. because because aromatherapy is in itself that word is something that people are going to be searching on i don't have like i don't have specific things that are would be um good value enough for me to bid on in terms of your cost per click and yeah kind of so i'd say if you if you're one if you've got a business like like sunday and soul um where it's sort of design led um then I would say definitely stick to social media ads. And some of the other questions came through in terms of, um, from a cost side of things, was if if you wanted to make more profit, why don't you print your own items? But let's kind of put that in context in terms of as well as how many units a month would you say you sell? Um, so units a month, are, I sell between... 350 and 600 units yeah there's just no way i could I, i'm not a printer that's not my skill i don't have time to learn it i don't have time to buy um 
this is i'm not throwing shade on anyone i'm not throwing shade on anyone but there's a lot of small businesses that are putting like for example printing onto um garments and they do do it themselves and that's awesome but they're not they're using vinyl print so um because that's a that you know to have it's, a, it's like a transfer essentially it's like a it? transfer yeah there's yeah. nothing wrong with that i have garments like that you'll get garments like that in the high street but for Sunday and Soul, that's just not what I wanted. Um, actual screen print ha or, or embroidery has um, a lot more staying power. It's got more a lot more longevity in a garment. Um, in terms of the washing and all that kind of thing. But I think as well, it's just important to highlight that you have to be really aware about the time, how effectively, and you touched on it as well earlier, you spend your time in the business in money generating activities. And for you to you know, to print 300 to 600 units a month. Yeah. You know, you just, it wouldn't be cost effective for you to do that because you'd be paying someone a cost per hour yeah. to, to print the products rather than getting them um, uh, printed with somebody else. Um, when the, are you okay to talk about profit in the yeah. business? So yeah, yeah. one of the questions that came through um, from, I think, uh, Kate Nut Company or, Day, or Miss Daisy Fudge, I can't remember which one it was, yeah. was what kind of profit did you have on a 200K um, year-end? None. Okay. Did you break <laughs> even or did you make a loss of it? No, I made a loss. Okay. And that's quite, you know, that is quite normal for people that they make a loss in their first, generally sometimes in their first three years of business. Yes. You know, because you've got startup costs to pay for. And I know your startup costs were lean, but you chucked advertising, you chucked money at advertising yes. and that kind of thing. So um, were you paying yourself a salary? Yes, I've been paying myself a salary, um, but it's very minimal. So it's, it's kind of like a director's salary. Um, it's just over a director's salary because basically I equated it to paying my childcare bill. So yeah. for both my children. So I pay myself about £1,200 a month, yeah. which is a lot less than I, I was, I've been earning for about 10 years, a lot less. And I think it's, you know, for people who do start their own business, um, it, it's, a, it's something of passion rather than, it might be something of passion rather than something of profit to start because you're probably working longer hours than you worked when you were, were employed. And you may start off, not, you know, not always the case, but you may start off earning less money than when you're employed, but you're doing everything for yourself. Um, and then, so just a couple of other questions um, that had come through before, just about understanding your customer and knowing, it was, it was a question about market research and that, did you go down that, did you do extensive market research or did you have more of a gut feeling? How did you approach who was your customer? That's, it's a really interesting question because I'm, I'm revisiting that right now um, because of the profit situation and because of the price point situation and because of the products that I produce right now do have a, have a price ceiling. And so I'm really so ready to produce different products that don't have a price ceiling and I can get myself to a position where my margin is good enough to then make the business profitable. Um, but first time around, um, I would say I, I, I wouldn't say I did really, really comprehensive market research. Oh, maybe I did, but I was very much going on a gut feel. I was very much putting myself as the customer. Yeah. Um, 
because it's easy to do that but because I really I don't know is it okay to say I just really believed in that I really believed in in my own um style my own taste my own I guess like reason for why and that's really what drove me but but I but I, did, I definitely created a um amongst my friends but not just like one group of friends but my, amongst a real mix of people in my life I created kind of focus groups where I would share things, get their opinion. And I think as well, like you said earlier on, you, you know, you were talking about your brand from January to July before you launched. And that is a whole focus group that you can do this or that with and polls. And that's it for, yeah. um, I think it was a Caroline that asked about market research. And so, you know, you can obviously use your audience as you build it for market research and do your this or that's and, and your polls. Face, join Facebook groups that you feel have your audience in them and, you know, you can engage, ask questions. And then you can do customer surveys as well. And someone really good to follow for that is uh, Katie Tucker, who is on Instagram as the product jungle, I think. Um, and she helps you um, kind of understand what questions you should be asking, who you should be asking and all that kind of thing as well. Um, but just on that point, Nicole, though, I, w I would say it's really, <clears throat> it's really important to understand that people's opinions on Instagram don't translate into sales. No. So it's, it's, it's incredible, like huge, huge, huge brands, you know, that have been around for ages that spend so much money on their quantitative and qualitative research, hundreds of thousands of pounds. And then these small businesses come along and, and we get straight to those people and we can ask the question like that and it's free. But I think it's really important for small businesses to, to, to take that information on board, but also sometimes take it with a pinch of salt and still stick to your guns and still stick to your gut feeling because yeah. it's, very, it's very easy to, to, you must remember that your followers aren't necessarily your customers. Yeah. And like you say, trusting your instincts is really important as well. Um, if you did it again, would you have put, would you have rather have built more slowly and, and not put as money into the, as much money into the business? Like the, not as reinvested as much as you have done. So from the advertising point of view, would you prefer to have been a bit slower? Okay. No, I, I feel like I had, I, I, I feel really positive about seeing it as an investment. It was very much an investment to, get me a foundation yeah so quite a few questions have come through about um about influencers and yeah, how like, did you use influencers from the beginning yes so again i built this into my um i built this into my um marketing budget and into my business plan and i think I don't know if this is different for people that that do make their own products or produce their own products rather than it being produced somewhere else. But I I don't feel I this is probably bad, but I don't I don't feel really precious over giving um stock away um for those reasons. So I probably should do and I should really remember how much that is costing me as a business. But 
I I just feel really passionately about it. So I've never had a problem doing it, and I I, di I did it from the start. And I we have had loads of questions about it. So I I made notes on it. So this is what I would, these are my kind of takeaways about influencer marketing. So it's not a golden bullet. Some stuff will stick, and some stuff just won't. And you will not be able to predict what that is. It doesn't necessarily. Um, give you loads of new followers it doesn't necessarily give you loads of new sales in some cases it does in some cases it doesn't and sadly it is just a gamble um but if you build it into your business and it build it into your model then it doesn't feel such a gamble you know like it, you don't feel that personal sort of rejection and and it's like, oh my God, you know, I've sent them this and then nothing's happened or I didn't get any uptake from it. You've got to sort of separate yourself from that because you need to see it in exactly the same way as you see advertising. So that's the business part about it. I've had some, I've, I've had some really, really great um, results from influencer marketing, really great. Um, Can I just interrupt there, Amy, and say, did you do, did you do paid and gifted? Did you do more one than the other? Or have you, you know? Yeah. Oh, I've only ever done gifted. So yeah. what I, so this is the thing that people ask me about all the time. So this is how I, how I went into it. Um, I had been following lots of people before I started Sunday and Soul on my personal account um, that I had been following and interacting with for months because I felt aligned with them and I felt it was either something someone that totally had my style and I loved yeah. watching them going and doing their shopping so that I knew where I could get my stuff it might be people that were talking about things that I find really interesting like mental health or marketing or people that are funny so I, I kind of had a pool of people before I even started Sunday in Seoul and then um, the way I approach it is that then I started Sunday and Soul, and obviously needed to start interacting them, uh, interacting with them as Sunday and Soul, and that's the first point that's really important. Yeah. Just start interacting with them. You can't go straight in with your your like pitch, you know. It and and that sounds like you're being fake, but it's not. So I, like I would say, I've only ever ever chosen um, people to um, to approach that I genuinely feel are aligned with my either my brand or our values or just as me as a as the person that runs the brand. Um, someone said to me something the other day about um, Mrs. Hinch or something like that. And I was like, yeah, I, I've never done, I've never even attempted to contact Mrs. Hinch because nothing about her, I don't really even know much about her, but, and I, but I know obviously some small businesses do so well with her. But I was like, nothing about her resonates with me or my brand so no i've never even thought about contacting her um so start those conversations start interacting with them start building up a, you know some kind of relationship get on their radar and then i i would say it's just about being really humble and being honest so when i contact people i just say i just um, you know, I've been following you for a while. I love this and this, or, or you know, mention something specific that you maybe saw last week, or yeah. you have a great time at, at, in Cornwall with your family, and um, I've been to that place. It was great, blah blah blah. And then I will just say, I'm, you know, I'm, um, 
I founded Sunday and Soul a couple of years ago. This is my brand. I just kind of wanted to get it on your radar because I felt like it might be something that you like. Um, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm really honest and I say these kind of messages make me feel a bit self-conscious and a bit cringy, but I'd love it if you could take the time to have a little look at our feed. And if you feel comfortable in receiving a gift um, from us, like never ever mention receiving a gift and posting about it. If you're gifting yeah. someone, you can never mention that. You just can't because this is, their, this is these people's livelihood. And I think we're, you know, anyone that's open-minded to that understands that in the same way that the BBC put content out, these people put content out and it's, you can't just expect stuff from them. Like now I'm a content maker of sorts for my own business. I understand how much effort and how many hours that takes me. So you, you can never mention what you expect from it if you're just gifting, but it's an, un, you know, it's an unwritten, you, you don't need to say yeah. it. They, they know why you're asking them to do it. Yeah. Um, so you say, if you, if you would ever be comfortable receiving a gift from us, I'd be totally honoured, or I'd feel so chuffed to be able to send you something. Take a look, just let me know, and just, I'm really, like, com like breezy, um, casual about it. And if, the great thing is, if they are the right fit, they will get back to you. That's how you know they are the right fit. Yeah, and out of, would you say, with the influences you've approached, from a percentage point of view, and gifted, how many have posted? Um, I'd probably say 95%. Yeah, which is great. And I think and it's because of that research that you've done earlier on that you're connecting with someone who's aligned with the, brands, uh, with the brand and that's on your kind of wavelength and the way that you've approached them. And um, uh, someone asked there about, do you approach them on email? But you've done all your approaching on Instagram, just personally yeah, directed direct to them. Because it, because I do that because it takes, then two seconds to click on yeah. my profile yeah. and just see everything about us immediately yeah and yeah. um so you don't so you see their demographics one of the other questions was how do you know about their demographics and their their engagement and everything but once you look at someone's account you can see who follows them and you can see what the kind of content that they put out and if it's aligned with your brand then you know and you can totally. see the engagement and, that, and what i would yeah, and what I would say is, in terms of numbers, so I know people talk a lot about these, like, kind of micro, macro influencers, micro influencers, major influencers, and I've definitely targeted a mix, total mix, because the only thing that has been driving me has been alignment with my brand, not numbers. Yeah. Um, secondly, there's a third um, thing that you're, that you're hoping to get out of it, and that is content. So... You know, sometimes for me, I don't even, it doesn't matter if they don't post it. They've given me amazing content to post. It's not me and my bloody face <laughs> on Sunday and Soul all the time. And, you know, if depending on what they do, what what they their sort of specialism is or what they're going for, sometimes, you know, their thing is to create beautiful content and that's what they do for you. And that's, that's enough. Like they don't need to post. Um, or luckily in my case, most of them have. But what I would also say is if you're, if you're really just going for your brand and your values alignment, which is what I did, I started working with some influencers um, probably about uh, 
maybe even over a year ago that had what you would call a kind of I guess like average following maybe between I don't know 10 and 20,000 followers some of those now have over 100,000 followers that's great which is amazing it's amazing for me because they're still yeah. posting about me and and we've got a really awesome like all, like friendship now so don't be re don't think that you need to go for massive influences because if you see something in them other people are seeing something in them and that is going to increase they're just going to grow and grow and grow and you're going to hopefully be a little bit of a part of that absolutely and Anything else that has come through from questions for you on influencers from anybody else? Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the question was always like, what, what, how, what's the return been? Like, how is it well? Has it worked for you? What's the return on investment? And, you know, it's really, really, really hard to quantify that. Really hard. Um, I don't know. I expect there's sort of agencies and stuff that say that they can do that, but I don't know how I could do it. I mean, it's... It's pretty. It's not rocket science if you get someone posting and then in the next two day or the next twenty four hours, particularly if it was a story, um, you, you're seeing you know your your follow account go up massively and maybe you're seeing your ads your your revenue guys. It's not rocket science. I say from one from one particular influencer, I have probably gained about two thousand followers at yeah. least from that one influencer i'm not going to say who it is because i she just gets so bombarded um but she was aligned with me for various reasons and i sent her quite a long um i got very lucky with that very lucky i saw her her address in the background of one of her stories oh my gosh <laughs> yes and i really lucky i screenshotted it and I sent her some stuff and I put in a really long letter about why I was sending it to her. And that I had no expectation, but this is like, it was someone that I'd been following for ages. Um, and yeah, and that particular one has, has brought a lot to my business, a lot. As well as, you know, other ones have brought a lot too. They really yeah. have. Um, but I think how, I, how I, I, I couldn't tell you, tell you the viewers I couldn't guarantee that for you. I just don't know how to quantify it. I think, well, like you said, though, in terms of, of, the, of the ones that you've gifted, 95% have posted, which is great. And then there's a, and I know that you've not paid, you've paid obviously for the stock and that's a cost, but I've, I read a stat once that basically for every dollar that you pay for, for influencer marketing, you get $5 worth of business back. So that's an industry stat that's out there. Yeah, um, you know. And so I think it's for people that are watching to have influencer marketing gifted and, and probably paid, depending on, on how much, where you want to put your money in your, in your budget. Um, another question has come through on about fulfillment and did you go straight to fulfillment and warehousing from the beginning? I very, I quickly went to it. Yeah. Because it was becoming really apparent that I couldn't, I couldn't cope with it. And I think just, we've touched on this quite a few times, but I would say the biggest um, risk to my business and probably a lot of other people's small businesses is time. My time, that's the biggest risk. Like, there's just not enough, there's not enough hours in the week. Obviously I have small children to contend with as well, but there's not enough hours in the week to 
do everything that I need to do to grow a business or, or even just to keep a, a business functioning. So quite quickly, I went to a fulfillment in, I'm in Bristol and we have um, a few fulfillment options in Bristol actually. And I went for one that was, was built for small businesses. Um, and because of the pandemic, it had exponentially grown so massively, which is, was amazing for it as a business, but it, I believe at the time it just it grew way too quickly and it just couldn't cope and I put my stuff in there in no in a no, in November so like the busiest time of year and it went so badly wrong so badly wrong and it created so much shit for me to deal with customer wise um that and I was so scared that we were at the busiest time of year and and when you're a small business, obviously you're just yeah. riding on your reputation so massively. Um, and I was like, feel, felt like I was giving people such bad service that I, and I was trying to work through these problems with them and it was not, it was just not getting any better. So one day I just got a van and I showed up and I said, I'm taking my products, I'm taking my stock, it's got to come out. And I literally, me and my friend went in and took it all out. And then we drove it to, um, my friend who's who um, is also I've just I, you've probably written this down Nicole but some I mentioned him earlier mentor and someone's asked a question about a mentor yeah. um, he owns a business an e-commerce business that I worked for for many years he has his own his own warehouse and I just said please can I come with my stuff because I had too much stuff by then I could not bring it back to my house please can I come so I went there and I but I was doing the picking and packing there for a little bit because my husband was it was locked down he was not in work he could do it with me and then I think by the January they started to fulfill for me and where did you find your mentor early on was it just family friend or no, yeah so he was so he's an entrepreneur that I work for so I work for his business um it was him and a business partner and they became um just I worked for them for at least five years over two different stints. Um, it was a massive thing in my life. It was the beauty company that I started off as a buyer in and then moved into marketing. Um, so I went on their journey with them. I was a really, yeah. really early employee. And so, um, because we just, you know, we stayed in touch and, and I felt like I could always go to, he, I think he always knew that this is something I would do. And so he was, he was ready to take that phone call. <laughs> And as we start to wrap up now, just because yeah. we've been chatting for an hour, so if, if anyone has questions, put them in your comments now. Put them in the, the comments now. And there's other things that you want to cover as well, Emmy. Yeah. There's a question that came through about, you know, how do you stay positive when things are slow? And how do you, you know, when you're used to working in it? So a couple of kind of questions uh, for you. How do you, um, if you're used to working in a team and you go from working in a team to then being alone, how do you keep focused and stay positive and not let the self any self doubt creep in so the loneliness positiveness and and self <laughs> so not letting self doubt creep in is impossible <laughs> <coughs> sorry um it's really hard but yeah so it's lonely i'm lonely i'm really lonely <laughs> um i have uh, an amazing um, lady called Isabel. I think she's here. Hi, Is. So me and Isabel worked together at said beauty company for years. 
Isabel manages, she's our customer like happiness manager. So she manages all our customers. She liaises with the warehouse and, and the picking and packing, what's going on there. So we are constantly, we both work remotely, but we're constantly voice noting each other all the time. So I feel like I've got her. I also now have Joe, who's kind of my assistant. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm building up a bit of a team there. Um, even though we're not together every day, I would love for us to be together every day. Honestly, I would love nothing more than to have a premises where we could be all together every day. Um, but the other thing that's been really amazing for me is that I joined a small business network. So I, mm -hmm. I, I, joined, a, I joined a small business WhatsApp group. It's not paid. You don't, we don't pay anything. We just... Um, another small business set it up um and then we're all in it and then it, within that it it i it became um clear who i sort of really resonated with and who whose journey i was with, like kind of at the same time or so then we kind of created a bit of a splinter group and so now the three of us we check it we, well we try we need to start it up again but we check in every week with each other so we get on a call like a zoom all the three of us um but aside from that we're constantly on emails together uh, on voice notes together so we all have small businesses they all do slightly different things but we're all going through this together you know and we're all re relying on instagram heavily we're relying on our social media ads heavily we're relying on creating a community we're all females and honestly that has been completely game changing for me to be to have that and to have that support and we're like it's no holds barred you know we tell each other all of our numbers we tell each other all of our fears we have breakdowns we do all of that and and it's really it that's been really really important for me so finding your tribe so even though you are working on your own a lot you've found your tribe with small yeah. business owners that are around you yeah and there are a couple of questions about wholesale now i know you are selling directly to consumer at the moment but is wholesale in your plans yeah i i really really want to wholesale and i know this is something that we've spoken about um so with wholesale, obviously, you are cutting into your margins even more. So <laughs> whilst um, it's something I really, really want to do, until I work maybe a little bit harder on my margins, I'm not quite there yet. However, having said that, when you look at paying £6, £6.50 online to get that sale, if you, yeah. if you kind of first of all take that out of your margin and a load of other things and all of the... Um, all of the fees that it costs you know on shopify and through paypal or clan or whatever it is you know, there's so many different things that you need to pay fees for that are eroding your margin potentially i can nearly be there but that is just a whole other job in itself because i need to produce you know um selling material i need to be one of the things that i'm really terrible about at, but at, and i've got this on my kind of mistakes and learnings list um and this is something to do with my own sort of personality and it's to do with my um it's something that i really need to work on professionally is um and it, i said i mentioned it before the whole adhd thing but i'm really really bad at working ahead and in in this vertical you need to be working like a minimum of like a year ahead and i find it really hard to do that i find it really hard to think about what do i want to be producing or company launching in a year's time what's going to be relevant what's going to be like kind of driving me and my passion and then working back from that so 
I've started to work with um, factories in Portugal and Turkey to start making bespoke. So I'm not buying wholesale anymore. And twice now I've failed. I've, I've gone to do it for that season and I haven't been able to do it because I haven't been able to allocate enough time. I haven't been able to allocate enough mental space for the detail that's needed. Um, and so, yeah, it's it. I've I've just failed in those areas because of that. Uh, but that's, is that is that relevant to wholesale? Yeah. yeah, no, I think it is, and I think for people that want to know more on wholesale, I talk um, on my page. If you follow me at the buy and retail coach dot com, uh, at the buy and retail coach, um, I yes. Nicole wholesale. is the person to ask about wholesale. <laughs> And I will, I have a podcast as well, which is called Start, Scale, Succeed. And I'm going to do a wholesale um, podcast. It'll be about like the four steps to wholesale and how you can do it and what you need to think of. Um, one of the questions that's come through, and I will definitely finish up, but if there's things, Emmy, that you have on your list from people that have come through, do you think it's imperative to have a website? I've only ever sold through Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you want to scale, yeah. So I... I, I guess I don't understand if you're selling through Instagram and Facebook, are you sort of doing it through uh, people ordering through DMs? I, I, that, that sort of question is so dependent on the type of what, business. What kind of business do you want? Yeah. How much money do you want to make? What are your margins? How much do you want to pay yourself? And I think that's a re actually a really important point for not just the question of do I, is it imperative that I have a website? I'd probably say yes, depending it's, on. It's mindset really as well, isn't it? Because I think. Yes. If you're thinking a website will probably cost you, you know, you can get a web. I know, I know people have done e-commerce websites. They may, there'll be cheaper versions, more expensive ones for about 1800 quid. You know, I did my for less. I did yeah. my for less. Yeah. You did yours for less than a thousand, I think. So if yeah. you think that, what can that investment get you? You know, and if you think from a, a if you want to get press and they want to send links back to your website, all that kind of thing, you know, what's, what's stopping you from getting a website? You know. Yeah, and I honestly, this is, I really would say this, I, I'm really not technical, even though I've worked in digital for most of my career, it's very much, um, it's not, I haven't worked in it from a technical point of view, and I really am not, but what I would say is Shopify is so fantastic, it really is, and you just have to allocate time to watch youtube videos and and tutor yourself on it and it can it really can be done i use someone on people per hour there's a lot of people on people per hour that are really amazing value i mean rightly or wrongly i they're probably undervaluing themselves because a lot of them are based in india and pakistan um i've got an, a brilliant guy that i've gone back to time and time again he's produced brilliant stuff for me and I just used him to sort of dot the I's and cross the T's and just to make every, make sure all the code, all of the security, all of that stuff was, was totally top notch. But now I do everything, you know, really mm -hmm. on my, on my website. And honestly, if I say I can do that, you really can too. And did you have any other questions on your list? Cause I have one last question. That is my last question. Um, okay. So, um, I would say the only other thing that I haven't um, no I think I think that's it um I know I said this before on, on my um Instagram and I know someone did message me about it and I'm really sorry because I lost your message because I said I am happy to share the breakdown of my course if anyone wants to 
know um, what that is, but I can I can really really quickly run this uh, run through this right now in terms of how <laughs> you get from because I think this is like the key bit. How do you get from selling a, a jumper that costs sixty five pounds? How do you get from there to making? 41 pence and that is before your overheads so you, you'll make a loss um and i can tell you how so 65 pounds plus at that point i was doing free postage 60 pounds was my free postage threshold i've now put that up mm -hmm. um so 65 pounds was the rrp minus 20 percent for that minus 31 pounds for the product cost minus 3.7% for the PayPal charge, minus 10% for Shopify Capital. So Shopify Capital was um, Shopify, once you get to a certain kind of level of trading, they will offer you money. Um, I had to do that because I got myself into a, um, a sticky situation with cash flow because of ads. I spent way, my ads got out of control. I didn't realize and I spent more, too much money on it. So I'm currently paying, it's nearly gone now, but I'm currently paying some money back to Shopify. 10% of that. Once I get rid of that, that'll be great. Um, postage and packing. So I charge four ninety nine for postage and packing and it costs me £4.80. So mm. that is the, um, the compostable mailer. That is £1 to pick and pack. That, and that is the, whatever the difference is to actually send it through a courier um, or Royal Mail and then six pound average of six pounds on ad spend and then and that is how you then get down to your uh, um your margin being 0.7 percent so and this is where you were saying you made 41p on a 65 pound product so and, and the 41p doesn't include my wages isabel's wages storage of my product um accountancy fees i use an accountant because that is one thing in my business i cannot do i just can't do um and if you get that wrong you're you're up shit's creek um uh and you know general running of a business day-to-day -day, paying for microsoft paying for canva paying for you know those bits and bobs and this is the last question and before I actually I keep saying this before I ask it if anyone's a product business on here and they have been in business for about six months I'm doing a goal setting and strategy workshop on Friday morning and the link to that is in my bio so I'm going to close it on Thursday night um, so you've got today and tomorrow to sign up and that will be looking at goals strategy for your business you'll have a workbook we'll go through some spreadsheets setting your income targets wholesale is one of those things that you want to do this year we'll be talking about that as well but Back to Emmy, where do you want, what do you want to happen this year? Where do you see Sunday and so by the end of this year? What would you like it to be? So what I really want to happen this year is to actually properly kick off um, my bespoke manufacturing, um, which will probably be in Portugal and Turkey. Um, and I want to do that because I want to release, I, I really feel at the moment I'm literally doing like 10% of creatively what i want to do with my products um there's some products that i really want to release um that i just can't do at the moment i you know they need to be made bespoke so i want to be in a place where i've got a capsule range of those i've then opened uh wholesale accounts as a result of those um and i'm working at least one to two seasons in advance um I am able to move my business out of my house. 
and ha you know have enough be profitable enough to pay for just you know a tiny little office um which could then house the other late girls as and when they want to come um and um that i think i mean there's a million other things but that's that's the bit that's going to financially grow the business and that it has been fantastic emmy and thank you for being so honest and open i don't think i've heard any business owner be as honest and like I said, honest, direct and kind with the information that they've shared. And, and like I said, the honesty as well. So thank you very much. And thank you everyone for joining us and for your questions. And we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you so much, Nicole, for facilitating this and me. Um, and yeah, I just hope everyone's found it really, really interesting. And I just also want to say um, messages get lost really easily on my DMs. I really do try and get through them all. But if you want any more information, um, the, probably the best thing in terms of what we've been talking about probably the best thing to do is email me emmy at sundayandsold.com and if anyone wants information <laughs> from me or get in touch yeah. go on my Instagram and uh, just send me a DM because I don't have as many followers as them so my just <laughs> don't get lost <laughs> but thank you very much everyone for listening and good night bye bye yes, thank you and good night I'm sure you appreciate Emmy's candidness there and I hope you enjoyed the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast. You can find me, your host, Nicole Higgins on Instagram at The Byron Retail Coach or on my website, www.thebyronretailcoach.com. Thanks for listening and I would love it if you could subscribe and leave a review. Till next week.